Hello. The COVID pandemic has brought us many new situations and challenges to face. And uh, for the first time in 45 years of ministry, today, without uh, leaving Chesington, I find myself speaking to two churches that are hundreds of miles apart. The first, Jersey Baptist Church. Val and I were due to be on holiday in Jersey at this time and due to preach on the Sunday. There's a second church, Globe Church in London, that we're part of. And this week, John T and Linda and his family are away on the half-term break, and I was asked to preach there as well. So here I am, preaching in two churches, two churches that are very precious, uh, very special in our hearts. And therefore, it's a great joy and a great privilege for me to do so. Both your pastors said to me, just preach on something that's in your heart at this time. Well, immediately I thought of this issue of uh, singing and praising God. Every Christian I've spoken to during the shutdown has voiced to me in one way or another that they're longing for that time when we can gather together again to sing our praises to God, to encourage one another. Oh, we're so thankful for the musicians who've worked so hard that we might uh, sing in our homes and join our voices in that way. But they and we all know that's not what we're about, ultimately. It's the presence of one another in the presence of God that is such a delight to us as Christians. That's because Christians are a singing people. Christianity is a singing faith. We're made to sing. We're made to praise God. Our hymns, our songs give voice to the deepest longings of our heart. But here we are, finding ourselves separate at the moment, not able to sing. But we do have a hymn book. We can turn to the Bible's songbook, the book of Psalms. Psalms that cover the whole gamut of Christian life and Christian experience. And we can refresh ourselves once again in God's playlist because these psalms cover just about every emotion and situation Christians find in life. And so until that day we can gather together again, physically to sing God's praises, let's join together now as we come to Psalm 1. In the psalms we find songs of the day, songs that are full of exuberance, celebrating God's love, God's mercy, God's goodness, God's faithfulness. Songs for when life is sweet and the sky is blue. Songs like Psalm 98, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvellous things. Or that other favourite, Psalm 8, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. But the Psalms also contain songs of the night. Psalms that are full of brokenness and loss and grief and bewilderment. Sad songs for those times when life really hurts and the sky is dark and overcast. As Buddy Holly put it, it's raining in my heart. There are plenty of those songs in the Psalms. Save me, O Lord, for the waters have come up to my neck. 
cries the psalmist. Or again, out of the depths I cry to you, O God, hear my voice. Songs of the day, songs of the night. Songs for the good times, songs for the bad times. All life is here in this songbook. But at the gateway of all these songs lies Psalm 1. It sets the scene in many ways for all that follows. In many ways, the following psalms are a kind of explanation, an expansion, an exposition of Psalm 1. And the very first word of this first psalm hits the great theme that provides not only the psalms, but pervades not only the psalms, but the whole Bible. It's the word blessed. One small word that contains an ocean of unimaginable treasure. It's no accident that this is the first and foremost and the greatest word in this songbook, right there at the very beginning. The scriptures call God the blessed God. From cover to cover, it makes clear that his great purpose for us human beings made in his image, the image of the blessed God, is that we should enjoy the blessedness that comes through knowing God. That we might bask in the well-being, the contentment that comes through living at peace with him. Blessedness is what God intended for Adam and Eve. Blessedness is at the heart of what Jesus came to earth to achieve. And blessedness is what the people of God are destined for in the new heaven and the new earth. Blessedness, you see, is at the heart of God's purpose for his people. So it's no surprise, therefore, that the first song in this songbook is about the one thing that we all as human beings instinctively pursue, blessedness, or if you want to call it happiness, contentness, contentment, shalom. But here's, in this first psalm, the means by which we can be blessed and we can know blessing through our life and into eternity. And according to Psalm 1, it, it hinges on just one thing. Essentially, the message of the Bible is pretty straightforward and it's reflected in this first psalm. True blessedness, that which God, our maker alone, can give, is found in going one way that has one outcome and leads ultimately to one destination. Let's have a look at it together. The psalm begins by reminding us there are just two ways to choose from in life, two roads that lie before every human being, what it calls God's way or the way of the wicked. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. You might think it's a no-brainer. Why wouldn't you go God's way? Well, the reality is, as we all painfully know, so tragically know, that 
every single one of us instinctively wants to go our own way in life. We know better than God. We want to be God of our own lives. Thank you, God, for all the blessings that you give, all the gifts that you shower me with, but I'll go my way, thank you. That we see here is actually to go the way of the wicked. The man who shuns the way of the wicked, as he is called there, the sinner, the mocker, in verse 1. Look at this. Look at the progression. They walk, they stand, they sit. It's a very poetic way of saying how we think dictates how we behave and where we belong. Accept the advice of a world in opposition to God, follow its wisdom, be party to its way, join in its life, and in the end, you'll end up in the most fearful place of all, in the place of the mocker, the cynic. You end up in a place of deriding God, a place of deep unhappiness, of bitterness, indeed a place of unblessedness. Initially, of course, it looks so appealing. It's a wide and easy road to travel. But sooner or later we discover that it's incapable of producing any lasting happiness. And perhaps this current pandemic has reminded us of the futility of living for all these things and not living for the God who made us. It's the way of the wicked. But thankfully there's another way here. It's God's way. The secret of blessedness, according to verse 2, is to delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night. Now delight is a very strong word. It's a love word, actually. We delight in that which excites us, that which draws our hearts out, that gets our juices going. We delight in whatever we place the greatest value upon in life. Now at the beginning of John's Gospel, Jesus introduces himself as the Word of God, the living human embodiment of who God is and what he's like. He says he's the fulfilment of the law of the Lord. Later on he goes to say, goes on to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So the psalm, you see, is looking forward to the one who would come as its ultimate fulfilment, the fulfilment of the law, the fulfilment of the prophecy, the one who is the way to go. So happiness comes wrapped up in a person, in knowing Jesus. We know one another through our words, that's the way we reveal our heart and our deepest longings and ambitions and hopes to one another. God's word functions in exactly the same way. We know God through his word and his word is complete in the Lord Jesus. Blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. True blessedness is to have a heart that delights in Christ. It's to have Jesus as your greatest treasure in life. It's to have your whole life orientate around him. 
to have the gospel shape how you think, how you behave, where you belong, the company you keep, the, the places that you go to, the decisions that you make, the things that you dream about, the, the money that you spend, the life partner you may be looking for. Christ is the compass by which we navigate our way through life. And he, for the Christian, becomes the priority, the one who shapes all the decisions we make, the way that we go. His delights become our delights. His way becomes our way. A few hundred years ago, a great Christian, great Christian hymn writer, Charles Wesley, captured it wonderfully in a hymn that sadly we rarely sing these days. It goes like this. My God, I am thine. What a comfort divine. What a blessing to know that this Jesus is mine. In the heavenly Lamb, thrice happy I am. And my heart, it does dance at the sound of his name. Does your heart dance at the sound of the name of Jesus? Is he the most precious person in your life? Is he the sweetest name that you know on earth? your feet move to the beat of his drum? Do you take time to meditate, to gaze upon him, to dwell upon all the riches that are ours in the Lord Jesus Christ and to wonder at his love for us? You see, the psalmist wants our heads informed in order that our hearts might be inflamed with love for this God. Two ways, the way of the wicked, the way of God. The way of going our own way and following the wisdom of the world. The way of going Christ's way and following him, who to know is life eternal. But the psalm goes on in verses three and four to remind us that there are two outcomes depending upon which way we go. And they couldn't be more different. Here the picture is of a tree and of chaff. The way of the wicked, according to this psalm, produces chaff. The way of God produces a tree. Not any old tree but a tree planted by streams of living water that is evergreen. The one is solid, fruitful, flourishing, growing. The other is lightweight. It's ultimately inconsequential. It's taken away by the breeze. It's a very striking comparison that's made here. I may accumulate all the things that I think life is about, wealth, honor, prestige, money, fame. But if I've rejected God's way, then at the end, it's all for nothing. It's worthless, it's chaff. I may live a life focused upon myself, upon my work, upon my family, with little or no time for God's way. But sooner or later, I'll make a terrible discovery. 
that to be without God is to be without hope. Futility. But again, the psalm is saying it needn't be like this. There is another outcome. To go God's way is to be planted as a tree, a tree that has roots deep down into the truth of God's word and the presence of God's living spirit that nourishes and refreshes this tree day after day after day. A life that takes shape, that grows, that produces fruit, that even in the storms of life, when the winter comes, there is fruit, there are leaves found upon this tree. A life that can even face the worst of suffering and of death and yet still stand in that season because it's planted by God and in God. Whatever they do prospers. Here's a remarkable thing that I've noticed over the years. Blessedness is often most sharply and clearly and wonderfully seen and experienced in the hard times. It's important to remember a Christian is no better than any other person. What makes them different is that they know themselves by nature to be rebels, to be wicked. But they've cried out to God for mercy. And the moment that that happens, like some great forester, God plants them in his garden by a stream of living water. And in and through them flows the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ himself. So now they travel a new way. Now they dance to a new song. And as that develops year after year, through the times of sunshine and through the times of storms, God grows them as great oaks of righteousness. They know blessedness now. It's not simply waiting for heaven. This is the best way to go now, and this produces the best outcome now. People, Christians above all people in the world, are the most blessed of all people, for we know God. We have Christ. He indwells us. We go his way. We know his blessedness, his care, his protection. He's watching over us. His supplies day by day. But finally, the psalm ends in verses 5 and 6 by reminding us there are two destinations. And I hope by now we see something of the urgency that's implicit here in this psalm. God has made us for himself. He wants our blessedness. So passionate is he that we should have it. He sent his most precious possession, the Lord Jesus Christ, to this earth that we might know him forever. And where we will spend eternity revolves around our response to the Lord Jesus Christ. The way of the wicked and the way of the Lord have two very different destinations. There is a happiness to be gained, but you won't find it in the world. It's only found in Christ. In many sense, he is the blessed man of Psalm 1. 
and on the tree of Calvary, he made it possible for wicked people like you and I to be made right with God, to have our sins forgiven, to be set free, to enter the joy of our Lord. Surely this COVID pandemic underlines the urgency of taking hold of Christ now because verse 5 warns us there's something worse than death and that is facing the God who knit us together in our mother's womb, who granted us life, who sent his son to be our saviour and having to give account of our lives and in particular if we've not done so to say why we did not embrace Christ as our saviour. That's why this is so urgent. That's why this is so important. Thank God he is a God of justice and he will have a day of justice. And in his love he comes to warn of that. And the only reason he's not come back to earth already is that he is patient, not willing that any should perish. Because there's an awful day coming. Verse 5, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. We can't mock God. We can't deny God. We can't keep God at arm's length and get away with it. There is a consequence. We will not stand in the judgment. It will lead to destruction. That's what it says at the end of the psalm in verse 6. The way of the wicked leads to destruction destruction. The Bible really couldn't be any clearer, could it? But again, this same psalm points us to another destination. There is another destiny and it's all tied in with going God's way. Verse 6 says, the Lord watches over the righteous. Once enemies once enemies, by grace they've been forgiven and accepted. Once chaff, living for this world, heedless of God, now by the mercy of God they're like a tree planted by streams of living water. Once lost, they're now found. No wonder they're happy. This is the righteous. Righteous not because of our own deeds or merit, anything that we've done, but righteous because of the righteousness of the one who is our saviour, who clothes us with his rightness. We stand in Christ. And that's the destiny of the one who goes God's way. It's the best way. Why wouldn't you go God's way? It's the only way in life and in death to know this one. My God, I am thine. What a comfort divine. What a blessing to know that this Jesus is mine. In the heavenly Lamb, thrice happy I am. Father, Son, Holy Spirit have all conspired together to bring me to him. And my heart, it does dance at the sound of his name. True, true blessedness is known 
only in following the blessed man of Psalm 1. The one who said, I am the way, the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. But if we would come, we would know forgiveness, acceptance. We would know grace and mercy. We would know the joy of the Lord, which is inexpressible truly inexpressible in this life but one day we shall give voice to it in the world to come let's pray almighty god heavenly father we praise you the great god of creation who in the world around us has revealed your brilliance your creativity your power your beauty but how much more in your Son, the Word of God, you have revealed your love and your mercy and your grace. And we thank you that he came to warn us. He came, the great judge of all mankind, stepped in that we might not have the judgment we deserve fall on us, but fall on him. And Father, if we don't know that yet for ourselves, may today be the day when we cry out to him and discover those wonderful words and truths. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And Father, if by grace we know you, and we are walking your way, and we have this blessed hope in our hearts, Lord, may it capture us afresh. May it fill our hearts as we meditate upon your grace and mercy and love and constancy to us. May it be the song on our lips when we wake and we go to sleep. For Father, you above all are worthy of praise. Lord, we bring you our praise now. Hear our prayer we ask in the Saviour's name. Amen. Amen.